Welcome everyone to the Let's Talk ICP podcast today in our episode number 44, if I'm not wrong. Uh, we have today the founder of NFID, uh, Dan Ostrovsky. Uh, NFID is uh, one of the most successful projects on, on the internet computer blockchain. Uh, now it's using for more than 300,000 people. Uh, it's a digital identity technology uh, for signing into applications privately and, and securely. It builds on the cryptography of uh, internet identity. That is the authentication method uh, used on the internet computer blockchain and extends it with a host of new functionalities, including uh, crypto wallet, MetaMask identifi authentication, phone verifications, and, and more. Thank you so much, Dan Ostrovsky, for your time today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation, Javier. Great. Um, yeah, we will dive more, in more details uh, about NFID, but first, uh, please introduce yourself, Dan. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so I come from a marketing and advertising background. Uh, for about 10 years, I was building technologies to help brands uh, engage their, their customers, acquire more customers, and help to retain them. I was fortunate enough to start a few companies in this space and ultimately found my way into crypto because I saw the power of tokens. I saw the power of NFTs. I saw that there were these communities that were being formed uh, naturally, grassroots efforts, where the people within the communities were extremely strongly bound to the values of these token projects. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting what's going on here and ultimately found my way falling down the rabbit hole. So um, I branched off. I started to look at other networks, layer ones, trying to understand the differences. I saw internet computer and I was, uh, this was, you know, very early in my builder phase, uh, not having built uh, really any projects on any other network internet computer was my first and so uh i dove into that one spent a lot of time trying to understand what what it was what was happening just because it is so complex uh and multi-layered uh but found that ultimately this was a competitor to aws and so whatever project i built maybe it would be interesting to build it on a decentralized cloud rather than a centralized one. And uh, saw internet identity, saw that there could be ways to uh, build on its functionality, just given that my experience with it was a bit difficult uh, and was fortunate to uh, raise money from some venture firms, uh, Polychain, Tomahawk, uh, Tomahawk especially, like just really helpful, really uh, appreciative to them. They are experts on the internet computer. They know so much about it and uh, are very helpful to the internet computer ecosystem, uh, getting them started. I mean, there's a lot to say about 
how helpful they are uh, with developers in this community, but to me especially uh, in helping me get up off the ground, helping me, uh, you know, of course, with funding and uh, getting this team together uh, to build on the internet computer. So uh, now we're about a year and a half in or so, and uh, finally have gotten to a version that I think we are extreme, we're very proud of and happy to talk about that. Nice, great. As you mentioned, uh, Internet Computer was your, your first blockchain that you started to dive in. Um, why ICP? Or you, you like it because uh, you mentioned you do like study about all, all the layer ones and see the different uh, capabilities, potential, and then you choose uh, ICP. That's correct? Yes. Uh -huh. And what is the things that why you choose ICP Internet Computer Blockchain exactly as a top a layer one, and why you decided to start your NFID project on on Internet Computer Blockchain instead of other layer ones that maybe have other good capabilities, but you maybe like do like trade offs of one on, on the other ones, and, and decided to build on, on Internet Computer. Mm -hmm. So, actually, it was Internet Identity that really sealed the deal for me. So uh, I looked at it and I said, like I said, my background is in marketing and advertising. And a lot of that has to do with identity, just because we're always working with an identity of some kind. Uh, and, you know, it's associated with some kind of identifier, usually an email address, uh, maybe a phone number. But to try to identify people across different touch points in the customer journey for each individual brand. And I saw a lot about let's say privacy a lot about security and so those topics were really front of mind for me uh, and accessibility and uh, control over what data gets shared I mean I, I was in the middle of GDPR regulation CCPA so a lot of uh, just nuanced understanding of identity that you know for better or worse uh, I was a part of and when I looked around at different layer ones, a lot of them were very much the same. Uh, so smart contract platforms or networks that have different trade-offs about how to deploy a smart contract. And at the end of the day, that really is what a smart contract platform is meant to do, secure smart contracts, and then make trade-offs with, uh, with how fast uh, and how expensive each transaction can be. And as far as I was concerned, there were some slow ones uh, like Ethereum that provided a, a high level of security, high level de of decentralization, and obviously uh, quite battle-tested at this point. And then others that were faster and not as battle-tested uh, at the time. So I was pre-Genesis for ICP, post-Genesis for, let's say, Solana and others. And those were the ones that I started to look at because my interest was in building uh, an end-to-end -end application uh, that can be totally uh, served from a blockchain network. So it needed to be fast and needed to be relatively free as far as transaction costs is concerned. Uh, so it narrowed down and this was just purely out of my own interest. And that's, you know, that was my bias. I wanted something that could be fully on a blockchain network. Uh, and that's where I was coming from. Uh, and from what it looked like 
uh, the internet computer was a place where I could do exactly that, or I could put a bunch of different networks together and cobble together an application. Like there is IPFS, I can store a front end there. There is, you know, other places where I can store different components of the architecture, but what there wasn't was private key management. And when I saw internet identity and, and uh, Joachim Breitner uh, talk about it and demo it in the Genesis event, and Joachim's one of our investors, uh, that was the light bulb moment for me that all of a sudden I could use a passkey. I didn't need to save a seed phrase. And there was something special about that. And the more I dug into it, the more interested I became in just the cryptography that allowed this to happen, like what it was that was going on here. Uh, and that got me to look into the team and wonder, well, what's the team that built this? And I saw uh, a slew of very recognizable names. And it was just so impressive that I thought, well, there's bound to be something really interesting here. Uh, and I compared that team to other teams and it just, it was, it was still impressive, of course, uh, just in different ways. And I have a lot of respect for uh, the team at Definity in regards to what they've accomplished and what they continue to accomplish. Uh, and I knew about Jan Kamenish even before Definity, uh, just because of identity stuff. And uh, he wrote one of the more popular zero-knowledge proof algorithms that uh, are in reference today, especially for zero knowledge proof architecture and crypto and all this other stuff. So it was, I was impressed. And inner identity was the thing that I was, uh, that grabbed my attention most. Uh, and I dove in really on that. Great. Nice. Yeah. Um, this is something interesting that you mentioned about the um, decentralization, about uh, back end, front end. Uh, about ICP compared with, for example, IPPS or other uh, similar blockchains. You mentioned something critical, that is the private key management. Uh, before to dive in more in the NFID, that is the next question about the mission, vision, and, and all the, the stuff. I would like to, to like dive in a little bit more about the private key management because it's something like maybe the audience are pretty interested and also myself. Why do you think, uh, in that case, for the private key management, ICPs is a little bit, or is totally different compared with IPFS, for example? Well, IPFS, uh, as far as I understand, doesn't really deal with private key management, uh, and a lot of like really no chain deals with private key management. It kind of assumes that you have a private key already, and you're using that to interact with those networks. Uh, and so that's why we have, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people have um, external wallets and they're called EOAs, externally owned accounts. Um, basically, that's just a complicated way of saying that someone has a private key and it's in their possession. So uh, on the Internet computer, you didn't you all of a sudden you didn't didn't need to do that. You didn't need to download some application, some wallet application, some uh, Chrome extension, install that, go through the process of setting up a seed phrase. Like that part was just kind of gone all of a sudden and for whatever reason. Uh, and it's really just the way that inner identity 
started to handle these and uh, how chain key cryptography works behind the scenes that allows this to happen. Uh, I hope that answers your question, but I can try to expand on any of those points. Yeah, please. No, I understand that. Yeah, if you can extend it more, that's a super interesting topic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah which part? Happy to learn. No, about the uh, uh, the external uh, wallet. You mentioned like the non uh, uh, Chrome extensions and on ICP directly through the chain key cryptography. Maybe it's mm. more complex. Not sure if you can explain uh, in an easy words uh, what is exactly the chain key cryptography on, on internet computer blockchain and why is something totally totally disruptive and totally new and uh, why ICP is so powerful for uh, that uh, technology with that technology. Uh... I can I can try. I'm I'm certainly I don't think I'll be the best person to answer this. There are more technical people uh, that would provide a much better answer. Mm -hmm. uh, but generally speaking, it's the ability to use one uh, one public key to verify transactions from the internet computer and how we use it for NFID and how it's uh, how part of it is used for inner identity is through um, what are called delegation chains. So you're able to create, well, this starts to get really technical, uh, but you're able to create a key on uh, the client on the front end. So you can imagine you go to a website, nfid.one, uh, your browser, just in JavaScript creates a public-private key pair. And it really doesn't matter. It's like a random one. It's uh, ephemeral. Uh, no one knows about it but, but you and your browser. And uh, when you sign it with a pass key or you sign it with, uh, in our case, Google Auth or email Auth, uh, uh, you can now send that back to the internet computer uh, to request uh to request that key to be given some power and uh, or really to be given the power to act as you on the network. Uh, and the internet computer network then grants that power of authority over to this net new key that came into existence out of nowhere, just right there on the spot. And so uh, that's a pretty magical thing because now all of a sudden you don't need to have a, a persistent single private key that you need to have a seed phrase for. All of a sudden you can authenticate yourself inside of a, a contained session uh, using a variety of different methods. Oh, wow. Nice. I think is the, the best explanation of chain key uh, cryptography or like the general users <laughs> not for like 30 guys and yeah thanks for that yeah i understand now and i think the audience as well more about the chinky cryptography and the power of that and yeah diving more in, in exactly in nfid uh i like checking out your website uh the motto that you have your digital identity for the modern world that's cool uh yeah please tell us more about the nfid what is exactly your mission and vision with that and how you start the project and, and what is your idea or like an overview in general. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that it's an interesting question because 
uh, it's in some ways it's changing along with the way that Web3 in general as an industry is changing. So when we started, we saw that there was this big problem in Web3 where the obstacle, the barrier to entry was just too high, that people can't explore a DEX, they can't explore a marketplace, they can't explore uh, even you know social apps like Discover uh, because they're just not going to go through the effort of downloading some extension and uh, setting up a seed phrase. Like the, there were just too many steps. And I come from uh, of an industry where every millisecond counts. So if, if an ad doesn't load within 100 milliseconds, then that the ad slot is gone and the revenue is gone. And so there is, in in my world, a constant optimization on milliseconds. And then you get into Web3 and it's not a constant optimization on milliseconds. It's, uh, for, for good reason, it is an emphasis on security. Uh, but And that was the first step, which absolutely, no question about it, needs to happen because you need to secure a private key. That needs to be your uh, your prerogative and uh and your priority but we're now in web3 for some time some years and when i started this it there still wasn't a good solution there still wasn't a good way of being able to lower the to explore web3 applications with a very low barrier to entry and that's where i saw an opportunity with internet identity because that lowered the obstacle to uh, the barrier to entry quite dramatically. And I thought that we could do more with it. We could extend it with more functionality uh, and make it into a wallet that people can uh, use, you know, to be the same identity from application to application. And, uh, and so that's where we started. And that's what we're doing now. We're empowering people with seamlessly integrated, deeply personalized experiences. Uh, and we do that with a digital identity that's under the user's total authority and control. Uh, but the Web3 industry in general is, I think, starting to change a little bit. And we're also starting to wonder what is next here. Uh, so I'll give you an example. I went to ETCC some weeks ago, and uh, I spoke with a bunch of developers there and a lot of teams, and I asked them what they were working on, what their challenges were. And uh, a lot of people said the same thing, that people aren't signing in to use their applications. Like, they're just not getting as many users. And I asked if if they what kind of authentication they use. Do they have wallets or do they have uh, Google sign-in or something? And it was sort of 50-50. There were teams that were only using wallets. There were teams that were only using uh, email off. And even those that were using email off were still having a hard time trying to find a fit uh, for their product in this market. And it got me wondering, what, what are we all doing in Web3? What is it that we should be building? Like, what are the real world use cases? And... Uh, uh, first, I kicked myself because I thought, well, maybe we should have thought of this earlier. But then at the same time, I still think there is a, a huge problem with lowering the barrier to entry. And so now I'm in this position where 
I think there is that problem. And I think we have uh, a really good solution for it on the internet computer. And, and soon we'll have this in Ethereum as well. And uh, we can enable it for any other network as demand expands. But I still think that there's a lot of opportunity in Web3 uh, to design real world use cases. And even the one real world use case that we are promising people at the core of Web3 is still not really uh, optimized, I would say. So at the core of all of Web3, we have tokens. And we say that, well, you can use these tokens to uh, create communities. You can use these tokens to, to give people perks for being part of the community, for, uh, for being um, a motivated member, for helping to bring uh, value to the community and you have skin in the game here as a co-owner of a brand, for example. But still, it's hard to uh, like activate these perks. And we look at NFTs as, uh, as a good solution for being able to provide people with perks. But at the same time, anywhere we go to look at you know real world use cases for NFTs, we're still hard pressed to find practical examples. And we talk about putting real world assets on chain like a house. You know, I can I can buy a house and it's an N NFT representation, but we're so far from that that it's kind of hard to it, it's easy to imagine that being a vision. And I think it's a lot harder to find a practical reality and path to getting there. But I think that's where uh, there is some opportunity. And I think we could be a part of that uh, just because we are the entry point and, and we can facilitate uh, some movement in that direction. Uh, and so you ask, I mean, at the beginning of this thread was what's the mission and vision for NFID? At the moment, it is to lower the barrier to entry for people who don't have wallets to come in and explore Web3. But I think more and more that we should also help people not just explore, but really take advantage of what's possible in Web3 uh, in a more practical way. Uh, and I'd like to start thinking about this as the next stage for NFID. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can say like NFID, uh, like the bridge between uh, Web2 and Web3 in, in the meaning of you can uh, like have like mass adoption, right? Like uh, and, and you are like the path to achieve this goal to bring Web2 communities and Web2 people and Web2 applications to Web3, right? Because of course, you, you can do it in a seamlessly way. People can use your, your uh, NFID to log in uh, and connect Gmail and connect other mails or other wallets or other uh, Web2 systems into Web3. That is super, super important. And what is exactly, how it works exactly the process to sign in? Uh, for like people that start today, maybe they want to use ICP or they want to use like any application on internet computer or even in other blockchain, because I think it's also multi-chain uh, NFID that we are going to discuss after. But uh, what is the, the process for like signing um, uh, the NFID and what is the, the different way to do that? Mm -hmm. So uh, now the way to do that is through email authentication. You either sign in with your Gmail account 
or you sign in with you know any other email account if it's not uh, a Gmail account. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the first step, and that's it. So it takes uh, roughly, let's say, six seconds now on average to create an NFID with your Google account. Uh, and once you do that, you know, six seconds later, you have uh, Bitcoin wallet, ETH wallet, Polygon wallet, ICP wallet. Uh, and we can, of course, add more as uh, time goes on. Uh, and then the way to add additional security is through passkey ma uh, management. So more and more companies are starting to add passkeys into their security repertoire. Uh, for example, Google recently rolled this out. Well, even backing up before Google rolling it out, the major uh, device manufacturers, Apple, Google, Microsoft, came together in an alliance, it's called FIDO, along with a few other major stakeholders like Ubico, Ubico uh, Mozilla, uh, other browsers. And uh, they said, we know that internet authentication is really bad. It's insecure and we need to do something about it. And that something are passkeys. So they all agree that passkeys are the future of authenticating to internet accounts. Uh, and they just have certain properties that are far superior than any other property. And so now uh, that this alliance is formed and, and standardized uh, the approach to passkeys, Google has rolled it out for personal accounts. So if you have a personal Google account, you can uh, secure authentication to it with passkeys. Uh, Apple also, you can secure even your main Apple account with a passkey. Uh, Microsoft as well. And so now when you want to secure your NFID account with uh, enterprise-grade security, you do so by adding passkeys and enabling two-factor auth. And that way, uh, you have not only faster than six second authentication, it's like two seconds, but even more uh, even more efficient. You literally just press a button, uh, use face ID or touch ID and you're done. So it's by far, uh, everyone in the industry expects this to be uh, the main authentication mechanism on the internet in the years to come. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. Um, the security layers and also how like NFID through the pass keys can uh, increase the security, right? And, um, I, I, here I have like a question about exactly the pass keys and, and mm -hmm. what is, uh, because this mechanism of the pass key, not only NFID is using, like a lot of different uh, uh, systems are using pass key. Like how you maintain the anonymity and protect the identity, secure your assets in in, in NFID is like a mixing between passkey and chain key technology. Or uh, what is a why NFID is different compared with other methods that also use passkey? That's my question. Yeah, a uh, good question. So uh, what we do differently is. Mm, it's uh it's a very technical answer i'll try to dilute it down mm -hmm. generally speaking 
there is an account that you're signing into. And uh, the question is, who can access that account? Who is able to make changes to that account? And on the one hand, with centralized systems, they have ultimate administrative authority in most cases. I mean, there are some things that, you know, like I would say Apple is very good. They their security is very strong and iCloud is uh, is extremely secure as far as as I understand. And I say that because iCloud is still, you know, it's it's private. Uh, no one knows its code base except for uh, certain people at Apple. And we just trust that this is the case. They tell us uh, a lot of things about how it's architected and security experts will more or less agree that, yes, this is the the correct approach here. Uh, but still, there is that asterisk. And uh, otherwise, when you're signing into an account with a passkey, it depends. Does that system, uh, can that system make changes to the account without the owner being present and in a majority of cases even for those systems that you're signing into with a passkey the answer is that the system can make changes without this user signing in in our case uh we've architected the solution in a way where we can't make any changes because we are not we just don't have your authentication and only your authenticated session is able to call into these smart contracts and make changes to the account. Otherwise, there's just no way of doing it. And so when you sign in, even with Google or email, but uh, more, you know, even better with a passkey, uh, now you have an active session and this session is able to call in and make changes to your account uh but we absolutely just cannot technically and that's the main difference okay okay and it's related with the admi administrative authority right that you mentioned for example with the uh, apple that is uh that we need to trust in them we don't know the code behind the scenes we don't know anything that we know is secure but we need to trust in uh, like a third party or in the apple engineers or like in a team right yeah and you know for what it's worth they are very well trusted by yeah. you know billion people okay uh yeah next expert is like a multi-chain exactly if i'm not wrong nfid is using now for as we mentioned before three hundred thousand users that is pretty huge uh that's amazing i didn't know until today uh that number is is i think is growing exponentially for the next months, and I think before it's also grow uh, from one to three thousand, uh, it's not easy to achieve, right? These these uh, uh, numbers. Um, also, you mentioned is using through Gmail to sign in in general. Um, what is exactly the multi-chain purposes for NFID? My idea is for sure, like uh, not only ICP or the blockchains can. Because the idea of NFID is uh, bring the general or like mass adoption from Web two to Web three, and if we don't have um, multi chain, it's impossible. Uh, which chains are you supporting now, and uh, 
which chains are you want to support in the future? Um, and also this multi-chain is to ICP, same like say, chain key Bitcoin, chain key Ethereum, chain key other blockchains. Um, is how it works. The idea is like a ICP is like the the core, and then you bring other multi-chain through ICP. How it works exactly? Yeah. So let's start with the support uh, today. That you can hold uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Matic, ERC twenty, ERC seven twenty one, ICP, uh, EXT. Dip twenty. Those are like the network tokens and network standards that we support. Uh, as far as authenticating with an address to a network, still only ICP. Uh, in the weeks to come, we'll also enable this for Ethereum applications. So if you want to sign into an Ethereum application, you would be able to. Uh, and if devs want to integrate, you know, NFID onboarding to their applications, they'll uh, be able to do that. Uh, and then as far as how it works, it's really done in the same way as uh, as I mentioned. So we have this, we, it's called delegation management, delegation chains. Uh, and we use the backbone cryptography of the internet computer uh, to make the connection between you and your data very secure. Uh, that's mostly what we're using the core NFID infrastructure for. We also have a product called Vaults, uh, which are a, a multi-sig, multi-approver platform uh, that currently is part of the NFID application, but we want to separate that out uh, and you know allow other wallets to sign into it and manage it. Um, and that has a slightly different architecture that's uh, exclusively taking advantage of uh, canisters of uh, when there is Bitcoin support, ETH support, other chain support that would use threshold ECDSA signatures. They're significantly slower, uh, but in a multi-approver platform, uh, I believe that that's acceptable. So uh, yeah, slightly different architectures there. Um, but at the core, the main thing is using the authentication mechanism from ICP, specifically internet identity. Okay. Um, perfect. Yes. And also, yeah, I would like to know more about your the new updates. I read your thread in, on Twitter today about the, the new NFID updates regards like uh, in terms of uh, speed, like uh, for like faster registrations process. Um, also the support of uh, the passkey, advanced passkey support. Also, as you mentioned before, the RD, uh, ERC20, ERC72, 11055, support Matic, Ethereum, Bitcoin, and also like infrastructure improvements. Uh, you have a nice thread, if, if people can know, uh, read, it's on the uh, band's uh, Twitter. Yes, please dive in a little bit more on that. What is the, this uh, new exciting updates that you have for, for um, NFID? Yeah, happy to. So typically we like to do faster releases uh, every sprint or two, which to us is every two weeks or four weeks. Uh, we haven't released a, an update in, I think, five or six months. 
And the reason is because every time uh, we were close to release, we made another decision uh, that would postpone our progress or postpone our release. And all of this culminated in the last couple of days uh, with these new changes. So this is a, a pretty big change for us uh, and improvement for us. And I think one that will enable us to build even faster and get back to this two to four week release timeline. Uh, so a lot of it, yeah, you mentioned the big points. Uh, things are a lot faster. So we've optimized a lot on the speed. Uh, there were some issues, you know, technical issues we had with what are called service workers. So those are gone. We have a different architecture for that. Um, but mainly what people will notice are that there is a faster email onboarding. Uh, there is now an email agnostic onboarding. So not just Google, but if you have, you know, whatever other account that's not Google, you can onboard as well. Uh, and pass keys are completely re-architected really from the ground up. Uh, so we, um, I don't know how much you use internet identity, but every time you sign in, it'll say, uh, do you want to use a pass key for, you know, identity.ic0.app uh, as I internet identity? And that's the label. And the problem with that is, uh, that you don't actually really know which internet identity you're signing into. You have to know that ahead of time by knowing what your anchor is. And all the feedback that we've gotten was, well, we just don't know what that is. And uh, and so that was a big reason for us to kind of hide it in the last version uh, before this one. And so if you recall, once you've added a passkey, on that device, you'll just press continue. And uh, that anchor is already saved in your uh, local storage. And that's what we would use in, uh, to kind of hide that from view. But still, you don't really know which account you're signing into, which NFID account you're signing into. And so I mentioned email onboarding first because now we've made email onboarding required. And the reason is, Number one, because almost 100% of users used Gmail to create their NFIDs anyway. Uh, and we had some requests from devs and users that they don't have a Google account and, and they want to use a different one. And, uh, and then the second reason is because now when you create a pass key, it will be labeled with your email address, which makes it very convenient for you to know which NFID account you're signing into. If it's your work NFID account, then it's associated with your work email. If it's your personal NFID account, associated with your personal email. If it's a totally net new, random, anonymous ProtonMail account, then it's associated with ProtonMail uh, address. And that makes it a lot more convenient to really understand what you're signing into. And these identifiers, these email addresses are common. That's the standard practice on the internet today, for better or worse. Uh, that these are the identifiers that we use to sign into other applications. And as much as I want to get rid of that, uh, it's, it's not practical to do right now. And it's not even necessary, I think. In most cases, 99% of cases, uh, 
it's totally fine. Like there's nothing wrong with signing in with an email address, uh, especially because once you use NFID, uh, now there is no sharing of information. Like NFID doesn't share any information. And even if it did, it would prompt uh, the user to approve it. And I do think that in many cases, you'll sign into an application, the application will want to know what your email address is. And we see that across the board in in pretty much every Web3 app. Uh, and the reason is because there needs to be some communication between uh, the application developers and its community. It's really hard to do without email. That's just, that's what people are used to. And we're allowing that to happen. So anyway, I think I digressed a bit. Uh, but that was a, a fairly substantial change that caused uh, caused us to delay release and starting to add Bitcoin support, ETH support. Uh, initially, we were hoping to reuse the internet computer's native threshold ECDSA, but mm-hmm. found that people just will not wait 15 seconds uh, for one of their transactions to even be signed. So that was just a kind of a non-starter and we had to re-architect that solution. And we were already sort of promising um, additional network support, uh, which again, delayed us. So anyway, it was big change after big change uh, that now led to this release. To find the right solution. Mm. Um, Nice. Um, Yes, the thing is, we can discuss more about the threshold ECDCA, but uh, maybe for another episode or, or this is something like a, um, I didn't know exactly how it works uh, in terms of uh, the speed. You need to wait like 15 seconds or 30 seconds just to log in if you use the threshold ECDCA. Um, it's exactly how it works. That's why you decided to try to do it in another way. Because, uh, yeah. Yeah, at a high level. Um nodes in the subnet need to agree uh on the signature and it takes uh it takes about let's say 10 seconds eight seconds at a bare minimum even if you do it in you know the fastest fiduciary subnet just to get the signature so there's like one waiting queue to get signed and that's usually pretty fast and then one waiting queue for the nodes in that subnet to agree on the signature and that's at minimum eight seconds up to 15. Uh, so if we we saw in testing that it could be 20 seconds before you click a button to approve and then there is an approval. So, you know, can you imagine signing into some Ethereum DAP and waiting 20 seconds just to sign the message that, yes, I want to sign in? Yeah. That's just not, that's not acceptable for a consumer application. Yeah, that's true. Um, nice, perfect. Also, tell me more about that. You you mentioned before about Tommy Hawk. Um, you have the support and also the back by uh, VCs, investors, business angels. I saw in the, in the website uh, also Polychain, Outliers, Firefly, Readywell, Nine Yards, Affinity as well for sure. Um, what that means for you, this support, and if, if you struggle in the beginning to convince them to, to find you or to raise money for, for your project or, or it was like pretty smooth the process from the beginning and this is maybe a good good uh, question for like other entrepreneurs that are on the same situation 
but maybe they are pitching, they, maybe they are trying to raise funds and, and how you how it was for you the process in, in NFID? Or you have maybe mm. connections before that help help you to achieve uh, these raise funds? Or, yeah. So a, cu a couple of things on that. The first is that uh, this group that we raised from re is just fantastic. Uh, they run the board from people that know the internet computer extremely well to people that don't know the internet computer really at all. And uh, and so we have, yeah, like you mentioned, Polychain's been great. Tomahawk has been absolutely wonderful. Outliers has been very helpful. They proactively reached out to me the other day to connect me with a team. Uh, and then, uh, you know, some some of these angels uh, were have been really great. Definity, of course, has been extremely supportive. Uh, so there's, I think, more than in other industries, a real cohesive attempt to help each other. And I very much appreciate that kind of attitude, uh, especially in a, in this nascent new industry of Web3. Now, the challenge of raising money, I think, is certainly there. I mean, I, I felt it. Uh, being an internet computer project, uh, I talk to other developers who also tell me that they feel it, and I completely understand why that is. It's internet computer is new. Uh, the market is in a bear. It's hard for investors to really see um, how something so powerful. Like it, it's just there's a big disconnect when investors understand a network for what it does like Ethereum and then jump to the internet computer, which does things quite differently uh, in many cases and is a humongous product. It is very big and kind of hard to understand because it is so massive. There are a couple hundred of the world's best cryptographers working on this project for years. And so obviously the code base is enormous and it continues to grow at, at a, a high scale. So uh, it's hard for investors to really wrap their minds around it. And so what I would say, um, my experience raising money in the past has helped me to do in raising money for NFID is to try to be a bit more agnostic to the architecture and more straightforward and direct on the use cases and practicality of the products that we want to be building. And when we focus on that, it's a lot easier to get past uh, what it is that we're doing because investors, they're not the experts on or normally in the VC world in Web3, you could say that they do have quite a lot of expertise in uh, in cryptography and what's going on there, uh, which is you know very interesting. But um, still, they invest because they want other teams and other founders to do it. And so when they invest in, in an early stage company, they're not looking for a technical explanation. They're looking to understand the founder, understand the team, understand what problems they're trying to solve and whether or not it makes sense to them to use the technology that they've chosen to use to solve the problems that they're trying to solve. And that's what that's where we came from with NFID. It's, it's not like, you know, we're building on the internet computer just because it's cool. 
-hmm. We're building on the internet computer because it has certain properties that we believe are required to lower the barriers to entry into Web3 and to provide experiences that are consumer grade. So if that's not the case, if you don't have an answer like that as a developer or founder looking to raise money, then I would I would say it's probably good to focus on what that product is and and uh, and what problem it solves and be more agnostic in talking to VCs about you know what is what is exactly the technology that you're going to use to solve that problem because the technology could change. That's just part of the deal, and investors know that, especially at early stage companies. And that's why they say early stage investors focus on the founder and the team. Uh, because more likely than not, there's going to be a pivot at some point. Yeah, no, makes sense. Uh, you, uh, yeah, you, you answer. Thank you so much, yeah, for for that. Uh, I totally agree. Of course, in the first phases, the teams, the the, the problem that they uh, are trying to solve is for founders and what is exactly the the members is more important because, as you mentioned before, the technology always changes and it's part of the game. Um, also, which collaborations you have now on ICP? You are part of the North America ICP crew. Uh, I was yesterday, for example, in the ETH Toronto with Journal Last from the Emergent Labs. I know you are like a good friend as well with Bob Bob Dilly in, in Bionic as well. Can Scale, Byron Becker. I think there are a lot of good founders and good entrepreneurs in, in the North America region, for sure, more that I didn't mention. Uh, but um, what is now your 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 relation in general with the ICP ecosystem? If you have like partners or you are doing other the NFIDs with a lot of different projects, uh, if people are reach out to you to your NFID to implement NFID in the ICP DApps um, in terms of DeFi, social media, metaverse NFTs, other type of uh, projects. What is now your your um, relation and, and if you are doing partnerships with other projects on ICP. Partnerships. So uh, you cut out for the last few seconds, but uh, I think the question is what kind of partnerships uh, we have and uh, kind of uh, how do we look at partnerships? Yeah. Things like that. More or less. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, at a high level, I'd say that I, I am a, I want to be a partner to everybody in the Web3 ecosystem. So like full stop, there's no real reason for me to feel like there needs to be exclusivity or exclusive partners. Yeah. Uh, I think we're all in it together, not just within the internet computer, but as a Web3 industry as a whole, because you know there are a lot of people who poo-poo on the industry and say that it's stupid and there's no reason to have it. And here we are convinced that there are opportunities and feeling like we're at the early stages of uh, of the internet yet again. And uh, I think we should all be uh, partners, you know, for the most part, because of course there are still people competing against with each other for the same kind of customer. Uh, but generally speaking, I, I, I want to partner with everybody. Um, the names you mentioned, Bob, Jordan, Byron, Rick, uh, and then other teams, we have a good relationship because this, I think, is generally how we feel. We want to help each other. We're open to helping each other. We collaborate on solving each other's problems or helping to solve each other's problems. We get on calls 
to figure out solutions to different challenges that we have, whether technical or or business. So uh, it's you know it's in the ethos of Web three, we're we're open, I think, uh, and maybe I can just speak for myself about that. That's how I view partnerships. As far as you know, NFID and and integrating NFID, that's also uh, a, an open SDK. People can do that uh, as they as they wish. We are changing the SDK right now. Um, at the moment, NFID opens in a new tab or new window, but with this new change, we're actually enabling NFID to open on your website so that your users don't even have to go to a new tab or new window, just like it does on NFID.1. Uh, so that, uh, that SDK will drop in two weeks or so. Hopefully, uh, no more than four. Uh, and otherwise, I mean, if if a team wants to have a different kind of partnership, uh, then I'm I'm totally open to talking about it. I don't want to promote other projects because I just don't feel like we're in a position to do that. Uh, like I would, I don't want to be put in a position where I would like to have a. Uh, where if I don't feel comfortable with a project not having been audited or something that I'm still uh, singing its praises, I uh, first need to know the people really well. And, and those that you mentioned, I know them, like we've been working together for a long time. And so I'm comfortable with them and, and I trust them. So uh, that's maybe just something that I'm not as open to, uh, but you know we're all still trying this is still a new industry and if there's a reason to partner on something then absolutely uh, i'm i'm open to talking about it makes sense and what is the next for nfid what is the next steps the future do you think in in, in a, maybe like a future is unpredictable but for you nfid in in three to five years you think you can get the mass adoption and uh, people like knows NFID as same like a Gmail or something like that? Or, or what is your 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 vision for the next uh, long term, maybe three, five years for NFID? Or at least your your goal, right? To achieve. Yeah. I I want to bring Web3 to life more than it is right now. I think Web3 is more of a concept at the moment. It's somewhere you can go to speculate. And that's the majority of what's happening. So you you speculate on fungible tokens, you go to a DEX and trade them. You speculate on NFTs, you flip them. But I think there's, I mean, uh, not just me, I think a lot of people uh, believe that there's a lot more to offer uh, with these tokens. And uh, I think there is a place for wallets and for identity to make that happen. And the reason is because it is the really the gateway into web three. And if the, I think there are a lot of web, a lot of wallets that are really great uh, that people can use to be a bit agnostic to, you know, what, what people do with web three. Uh, but I do also think that there's an opportunity for, a wallet and identity platform uh, to bring what you have in your wallet to life. 
So, uh, you know, I, I've, I've been speaking with daylight.xyz and, and they do some cool things with kind of mm, uh, providing a transaction engine that can recommend what kinds of transactions your wallet can make uh, based on what you hold and uh, and personalize your experience. And something like that is really great. What I want to do is uh, is expand that, not just really what can be done in the ecosystem, but in real life. How are you going to use NFID in real life, day to day? And that's, uh, I think that's what I keep asking myself every day. And I think within three to five years, uh, we'll have a, a pretty cool product uh, answering that question. Nice. Thank you so much, Dan, for all your answers. Uh, honestly, it's really, really a good interview, I think, because uh, you explained all the concepts, all the complex things in an easy words. Uh, NFID is not simple to understand maybe yeah the, the goal is simple because it's just connect through uh, people from web 2 to web 3 through like um nfid like directly integrate blockchain and people can log in in an easy way seamlessly way but behind the scenes there are a lot of complex terms complex things to understand and you explain all pretty pretty well uh, this is something like I appreciate because sometimes we have guests like super tech guests uh, or cryptographers that talk about their book, talk about their thing, but then no one understands anything. And I really appreciate the way that you explain all, all the concepts. Normally we finish the, the conversation with like a funny questions. Not funny, but at least like something related with ICP ecosystem. Um, I, I It's like three questions. I, I would like to know if you're like an eight years gang. If you have like ICP tokens on NNS, stake it for eight years or not? Uh, yes, yeah. Um, uh, at Genesis, I think within a couple of days. Uh huh. Nice, great. You're an eight years gang guy. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. Also, what is your DAP that you use in a daily basis in ICP, or at least more frequently if it's not in a daily basis? NFID. NFID. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, NFID vaults. I mean, we use vaults uh, as a team, you know, to approve uh, canister top ups and uh, whatever other transactions we want to approve as a team together. Uh, so we use that. I mean, of course, uh, I'm connected like the names you mentioned. I, I always explore what Bob's building, what uh, Rick's building at Discover. So I'll use those apps. Um, and really curious. I mean, they they tease different features uh, that they'll be releasing. And so often I find myself checking in every day to see if they're released. Uh -huh. Okay. And yeah, last question is, uh, what is for you like one project that you like it or you think have a lot of potential maybe for, for the future? NFID for sure, but other projects that you think, uh, even if it's like small project, but you like the idea or the team or maybe uh the project you think oh wow this is like pretty underrated or maybe they have a lot of potential to bring like mass adoption or be like the killer dap or, or, or on icp um if you have one one project yeah that's hard to say uh it, it's hard to say i i 
I cheer for everyone. That's uh, at the bottom line. You know, it's like if if any if anyone does well, then we all do well. So I don't want to really single anyone out. Yeah. Uh, I I would say that in particular, I know Bob is building a an ordinals marketplace, which is super interesting. I mean, uh, it takes advantage of something that is totally unique to the internet computer. Uh, I know Rick has built out an edge network. Uh, it's kind of like a layer two to the internet computer, which is pretty incredible. Uh, so that's just very cool. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, at ECC, uh, um, the Asterx guys have a card, uh, NFC card, which is pretty cool. Um I know the the funded guys. Um, I I just appreciate them when I met them. Seem like really kind, hardworking guys. Um, yeah, I mean I could go through the list of everyone building everything. Like Yumi yeah. is is pretty incredible. They have uh, a wide variety of items. It's not just their marketplace, but you know the whole Shiku metaverse. Um, District have been connected with Andra and team for for quite some time. Uh, we were on stage together at at a Barcelona crypto event, um, and I just I really wish the best for District. They have a really slick application. So pretty much everyone, uh, I can I can say something about everyone because I think either the team is really great or the project is really interesting. And and I mean. In almost all cases, I would say both uh, about each team. Yeah, it means a lot, you know, like the uh, ecosystem on ICP, because uh, maybe in your mind you have like one or two projects, but then when you start to talk more about projects, it's like, hey, wow, this is really cool, and this one and that one, and this is pretty unique and in different technologies. And you mentioned just about like uh, Astrox uh, Network, and I just want to mention them because uh, they were with us in the booth or in the ETH Toronto uh yesterday and the day before and honestly it was like a blast everyone in the conference was the the car three <laughs> that's pretty amazing and this is something like it's fantastic uh, yeah it's fantastic and we can see uh also the ap board people community in canada a lot of different communities that are amazing like and i'm super excited for for the car three and this is like like real examples that we can see in a daily basis like how ICP technology can bring to the mainstream and, and how can adopt like a mass adoption to the internet computer blockchain, right? This is the way. And even I was in the conversation, I just heard different conversations, like people say, hey, wow, did you see in the second floor the, the booth that they are like printing NFID, uh, sorry, um, car three um, for like, you can directly tap it on your phone and put your link in your Twitter, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh yeah, this is amazing. And it was like a, honestly, like a, long long um wait list and and long queue like people are pretty pretty excited for that it's just like one example we have more of course on internet computer but i realized yesterday exactly what what is the uh the potential of of course of the different projects on internet computer yeah, anyway mm -hmm. Dan, thank you so much for for your time i honestly enjoyed a lot of the conversation with you uh, it was pretty instructive. I learned a lot, and I think the audience of Let's Talk ICP podcast learned a lot about you, about the NFID, about your project, 
I hope you the best for you, for your team, for the next months, next years. And yeah, thank you for for bring web to people and create awareness about the blockchain in general and to attract uh, the mass adoption to the web three ecosystem. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Javier. Real pleasure. Perfect. See you soon. Bye. Oh, <laughs> oh,